WBCA Radio is proud to present City Talk, where fascinating conversation is alive and well, with your host, Boston Radio veteran, Ken Meyer. You know, every once in a while, you meet someone who is exceptional at what they do, and also exceptional as a friend. And I'm proud to say that Upton Bell is one of those people, and is joining us on this edition of City Talk. So, Mr. Uppy, how you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm getting ready to uh, go down and hand my resume, my nerd resume, into John Henry uh, to see if he would accept me as the new uh, general manager of the Red Sox. That's interesting because he wasn't even at the press conference. He never is. Let me yeah. let me tell you something. He's like the ghost of Christmas past. You never you never see this guy. You never hear from him, uh, particularly in the last five to ten years. I mean, he's like Whispering Smith. There's there's no there there, and and in some ways, I understand that he's kind of a shy man. But you know something. When you own a franchise that up until the last five years or so was the equal of any franchise in Boston, and that includes even the Patriots, even though they had their great run, everybody has an opinion about the Red Sox. Everybody is a fan. Everybody is a second guesser. <clears throat> and that's what made it a place where you had to be a damn good player or manager or general manager to be here because you knew one thing. You were going to be second-guessed more than Bill Belichick. Well, it's interesting. I found out today that the Red Sox put out a press release stating that they were relieving Heim Bloom of his duties and then had the press conference 15 minutes later, which I thought was rather interesting. I watched um, it. I watched, I watched it. It, it, it was, uh, it, it might as well be Putin speaking to the Politburo uh, because Sam Kennedy, who I used to have a lot of respect for, is really bought and paid for now. I mean, he, he, he does not have an original thought. His thought is of the Red Sox Politburo and what John Henry and Tom Warner wants. He he is now. Well, he never no longer well, he was never that independent. Uh, but when Theo was there and Sam ran the business side and Theo ran at the other side and Larry Lucchino, that was the holy trinity of baseball. Now, now, Sam, and I understand, has totally sold out. He is just really the mouthpiece. That's it. When he, when he opens his mouth, <clears throat> I close my ears. <laughs> well, um, let's talk about some of the things that might have contributed to the downfall of uh, Heim Bloom. Um, first of all, I think the biggest thing and that no one will ever forget is the uh, trading of Mookie Betts. That's true, but but you know, 
Muck, let, let's start with reality here, all right? Yeah. I believe in reality. Huh. And the reality was Heimblum gets the blame for it. But do you think if John Henry wanted Mookie Betts, that he wouldn't still be here? I mean, I've heard all the stories, uh, you know, about Mookie. He, he wasn't particularly happy here. He claims otherwise. Uh, but on the other hand, he's a once-in-a-generation player. You could see that. I mean, I'm surprised by nothing he's done since he's left. Uh, and and to, to let him go for Alex Verdugo and a bunch of stiffs, that's a disgrace. And and then they dumped the pitcher. They it was a salary dump. It was it was a John Henry salary dump. They didn't want to pay him. So Heimblum steps in, and and the first thing he steps into is the buzzsaw, and and he takes the blame for Mookie Betts, but the blame is directly directly on John Henry. Nothing is done there without his approval. Nothing. It's too bad, too, because, I mean, you get envious when you, I mean, I listen to the Dodger games a lot. And when you hear the season that Betts is having and having so many leadoff home runs and, you know, being able to play both second base and right field and everything, it's it just, I want to cry when I when I hear about it. It's very sad. It is, but but see, I I look at things here and try to look at them unemotionally. And the the problem is people are very emotional, not so much anymore. People are very emotional about the Red Sox. They go to the games. You can't fool Red Sox fans. They know the game. The Red Sox fans know the game more than the front-running Celtic fans. The, the, the Bruins fans and, and the Red Sox fans really know their game. This is a town you can't people in when it comes to hockey and baseball. The Patriots fans are somewhat full football knowledgeable and more so now because they won six times. But I would say in the beginning, and when I came here as general manager in the early 70s from Baltimore, I said, there are a lot of football fans here, but they, they, don't, they don't know their sport the way other fans do in town. So that they were kind of the ones that have come lately and now are more knowledgeable about the game, but they weren't because Patriots weren't considered in the top one or two. So you can't fool people here. Everybody knows whether it's Dan Shaughnessy or the or the typical fan. They know what what the, what Henry's game is and what his game is. And I, and I want to say I give him credit. He's won four world championships. Really, the the two really legitimate ones were in two thousand four and two thousand seven. They got lucky in 2011. They brought Dave Dombrowski in here, and he traded his way in and bought players, and they won again in 2018. And he was gone, you know, three years later. Or no, less than that, a year later. So really, 
the people that they bring in, other than Theo Epstein, <clears throat> Dombrowski was uh, was one, Heimblum, all, all, all of them. You know what? The last three have lasted less than four years, Mark. Less than four years. Just enough to get their feet wet. But the but the thing with Hein Bloom and the reason why I knew immediately when I heard him from Tampa was they brought him in as the person that was going to bring reality to the situation. He's what I call the cold water general manager. He came in and said, we're going to build the farm system. <clears throat> and there is a question of, of how good that farm system is. But he was brought in to get those nickel and dime players, those one-year players, those free agents. I mean, name me one great move that he ever made. Uh, you know, that, that they, they signed a, a couple of people and that was it. But he was brought in purposely after Dave Dombrowski to take and cut the payroll. What's the pay payroll has been cut by what? A hundred million, something like that. So I look at the cold statistics and I say, Henry is a, is a money man. Henry is a bottom line guy. Henry has made a fortune in the market by being that, that person. So you combine Henry with the hiring of, of somebody from Tampa, who wasn't the top guy, by the way, and you say, here we go. The penny pinching began, and what do we get today? He gets fired. <clears throat> you know, if somebody came to me and I know it's I know it's a great thing to be named the general manager of the Boston Red Sox and when you're young you know you think you can conquer the world when 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 I and I know I'm digressing when I was offered the Patriots job remember I was just barely 33 and had a world of experience and I knew all the problems the Patriots had but in my youth I thought I could conquer that and you can't conquer bad owners. And Charlie Pierce actually kind of uh, uh, not texted me, but sent me a thing on Twitter today about it. You can't change the owner. And in my case, we had like 20 owners. They're all fighting among each other. I could build a team, but I couldn't change the owners. And so when you can't do that, and you come into a situation and you're working for a guy like John Henry, uh, who has decided he wasn't going to be the big spender anymore. You had to know what you're in for. And by the way, I don't care who they hire. I don't think it's going to be any better. You think that's why maybe Larry Lucchino left, that he sensed oh, uh what was coming? I think they pushed him out the door. They pushed Larry out the door. Larry wouldn't put up with that crap. I mean, even though Larry and and Theo Epstein had not the closest of relationship and would fight off and on, in some ways they were good for each other. They kind of pushed each other. 
And John Henry at that time and, and Warner and, and company, they were into everything here. They loved the, the whole thing. They, they loved the championships. They, I give them credit. They rebuilt Fenway Park, even though, by the way, I was just there for a graduation of my grandson. I, I, you, can, you can dress that place all up all you want, Mark. It's a dump. It's a dump. If I if I'm gonna sit there, I want to sit in 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 left field, up uh, over top of the monster, or I want to sit you know way up in right field. I, I I in the stands is like being in a dungeon. But again, th this this was a place that these guys loved. You could tell that they loved, it, even though Henry was shy and all the other crap. There was, there was something to be said about it. But then, after I think 2000, well, even after 2011 championship, but then 2018, Henry had enough. He got into everything. He's a, you know, he buy the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, he buys Liverpool before that. I mean, <clears throat> they're now buying what? Phony tennis. You know, <laughs> uh, please, they're they're a conglomerate. Owners, okay, owners that that own big conglomerates. That's what's actually happened to the NFL. It's happened to everything now. Is that basically? And I, and I'm not saying I love the past and I hope it comes back because that isn't what life is. But I can tell you. <clears throat> that basically you used to have owners in every sports that, that first and foremost they were sportsmen and and yes they were owners they cared about the bottom line you know some of them were really bad in baseball when things were totally controlled and the players had nothing but but now you're you're you've got guys that buy clubs and particularly let's say in the National Football League they're billionaires. They, you know, they don't deal with day-to-day -day people. They deal with the bottom line. And and even though sports has always been that to a degree, that's the story. So you have to buy that. You have to understand that. That's why I don't get emotionally involved in any of it. There's 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 the who who. Should I root for a billionaire? For what? I'd root for the club, not the billionaire. What'd you say? You what? I said I would root for the club, but not the billionaire. Uh, well, if, if that makes any sense. Now, I know. But, the, but you know what? Particularly in baseball, they're all billionaires. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. You're, they're, they're all they're all billionaires too. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I remember the days when if there was a shakeup, it was usually the manager that got it, that got can. The general manager usually that that didn't happen to. But that doesn't seem to be the case these days, at least with the Red Sox. And, well, and you know, I, I, I yeah, I'm like, I, I like Cora. Uh and and I, I thought that Cora if things continued the way they, the way they were continuing, 
on their way to the bottom again, three out of four years in last place, I thought that Cora would quit, whether Bloom returned or not. And, and maybe they'll give him a little bit more power or maybe whatever it is, but there, there's, there's no question in, in my mind that Cora was gonna quit if it continued the way it was or, or get fired. One way well, or another. I, they, I, had they, also heard, I had also heard that he wanted the general manager's job. Well, that's, that, that's, that's fine. And, and maybe in the end they, they say, well, you know what? We've looked all around and we have a great staff. That's what Sam Kennedy said today. All those nerds, they got 200 nerds in there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just ridiculous. That department's bigger than Fenway Park. Uh, so they they have all those nerds in there. Maybe they'll they'll turn it over to Cora. My feeling is this: the things that I've learned now, I'm not their age anymore. But the thing that I've learned is, don't ever go into a situation that you can't control. And I go back to the old saying, they're owners and the renters. And other than the owners, we're all renters. I was always a renter until I became an owner of a team in the World Football League that didn't last. But I got a feeling of what it was like to be an owner and answer only to yourself and not have to put up with that bull that everybody has to put up with. Yeah, it's, so who, if anyone, would you like to see as a replacement for Heim Bloom? Well, <clears throat> or is there anyone? Will they just flounder and let Kennedy take over and do whatever Bloom was supposed to? No, Kennedy's too smart. Kennedy doesn't want to get fired. Why not, <laughs> let, why, why not let somebody else come in and and try it for a while? I, you know, everybody says the, the 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 young guy from Milwaukee who the Mets I think signed Stevenson that he might, might be a guy. But look, you you can't solve you can't solve the problem without solving the major problem is what does the what does the owner think what is his plan if if i'm being interviewed for the red sox job first question i ask is uh john how much money can we spend what's your philosophy is is it is it now that we think we're good enough to win uh, we have a, a farm system we think is pretty good. We've got a couple of good young players. Um, but we need to go out and buy people again. And, and it would end the interview for me if he said, well, we want to stick pretty much to the way we've been operating. If he said that to me, now that's me, not other people looking for a job. said that to me, I'd say, see you later. Um, what about Cora? Do you think Cora would make a good general manager? Yomak, nobody knows. Nobody, I'll tell people 
from my experience, you never know till you get into the job how well prepared you really are. I mean, I was as well prepared probably than most people will ever be to step into the Patriots job. But I wasn't well prepared enough to deal with feuding owners and people who refused to let me fire the coach. That's my problem. But you never know. Uh, Cora might be good. But but again, Cora or Jesus Christ are limited here unless (laughs) the owner, unless the owner says, Okay, what's your plan? And I'm willing to spend. That'd be the first question I ask and say, look, John, I'm not interested in blowing your money all over the place, but we need to go back out in the market and and begin to sign free agent. It's like, you know, what's really interesting about it is the Patriots have kind of a similar problem is they've let Belichick, which I never would do, be the general manager all these years of the club. And the last four or five years have been a disaster. He he has actually crafted his own demise uh, with his drafting and in some cases very cheapness and not going out and signing players. Uh, and trying to always get a deal. Now look at them. You know, they have a really good defense. They have an offensive line that couldn't def- couldn't defend, uh, you know, a minor league team. And yet, you know, they have a quarterback they've got to find out about. They've got a lot of problems. They, they, they signed Juju Smith-Schuster for a decent amount of money, eight or $9 million. And most people say he's still got a bad knee, but he was a deal. So again, you never know. Belichick, the coach, I don't think he's a genius anymore. <laughs> the coach was a defensive genius who happened to have the greatest quarterback, one of the greatest of all time in Tom Brady. And could get away with a lot of sins of not, you know, of not having the greatest receivers or not having this or not having that. But but when Brady left, it was exposed. So Kraft claims that he's willing to spend the money. But they're 31 out of 32 in spending in the NFL. Please. <laughs> Please, I you know when, when I hear these people talk, I say to myself, they wouldn't be BSing me. So it it today today's games are totally different than the games that either we grew up with or or we covered for years. It's a money game. Look at the Celtics. Between Tatum and Brown, you couldn't you couldn't buy the the, the Empire State Building. <laughs> Jesus, it's going to be 
over $300 million for two guys. Now, that's fine. That's what the NBA is now. But that, that's, that's where you are. The one, the one sport that basically really suffers still, except for the quarterbacks, is the NFL. Because the average life of a football player is still only three years, three, three and a half years, which is the same as when I began in it as a kid in the 40s. Three and a half years then, it's the same today. The players are bigger, quicker, stronger, faster. They have everything going for them. But how many of them make the big money? What, what, you know, what do you think an offensive lineman makes? What do you think? I, have no- I, I mean, yeah, if, you, uh, if you're a quarterback and you're Dak Prescott or, or any, any of the top people, yeah, you're going to make 50 or 60, and, and the receivers make more money. The game has all been moved to the outside now. It's really flag football with an occasional tackle. But uh, football players still don't get, and most of, most of them, there's no such thing in the NFL as a totally guaranteed contract. So that's where you are. You know but what? It's ironic, but it's ironic that the two teams that should be the two top franchises the Patriots and the Red Sox don't spend the money. You you would make a great football analyst. I would love to sit and watch a football game with you someday. I think it would be a great experience. I used to do it. You know, I did Boston College games and the Flutie and then the air after that. Bob Lobel and I did uh, BC games. I, I did uh, some Football games on ESPN. You know, the one thing people don't know, do you know that I was the full-time fill-in for Tom Heinsohn when when he and Mike Gorman were doing, they started off at Sports Channel, and now it's, uh, you know, NBC Boston. But, you know, I, I did a lot of Celtics basketball games, particularly in 84 when they upset the Lakers. Ah, I've done, I didn't know. I, I've done every sport except baseball. I was going to say television, either television or radio. So I, I understand the mechanics of every, every one of the games. The, the one game that I've always said that I don't know as well as people here in Boston is, and, and I don't pretend to, is hockey, which I love. So <laughs> there, f- football, I understand. Now, I, I have. Two sets here, about to add a third. And uh, the major set I have is over 70 inches. And and the way the NFL is shown now, or college football, I can tell you what I think is going to happen on practically every play. Because now you can see, which you couldn't before, you can see the second, the secondary, you can see the linebackers, you can see the movement. You can see the precept movement. You can hear the quarterback checking off. You can watch the motion. You can see all those things. And remember, as a kid, 
uh, even though the game wasn't as sophisticated as it is today, you know, that was natural for me. I could walk onto a practice field and tell you pretty much, even when I was nine years old, what was going on. All right. Um, Mike Lynch told me in an interview that he was not surprised that the Bruins didn't do as well as they should because they were more concerned with trying to break records uh, and establish a lot more credibility. Um, what about the Bruins? I mean, they had a three to one lead and, and they, they blew it. They, and nobody ever figured, I didn't, that they would lose. I've never sold on them the whole season that giant love in with the new coach uh, who I'm sure is very nice guy and, and a good coach, but they got rid of Bruce Cassidy because he was too tough on those babies. And they brought in Mr. Love Muffin uh, <laughs> Montgomery. And, and we'll see what happens this second year. I, I, I agree with Mike, but on top of it, when things got really tough, they weren't very tough, were they? Apparently not. Florida was Florida. Florida was tougher than them. Florida, Florida went after them. You know that that's what what I saw, and I and I agree with Mike Lynch, but I also think they kept saying, "Look at it. Everybody loves each other. This is." goody two shoes and all of the other stuff and I think it was kind of a knock at Cassidy you know some of the veteran players got Cassidy fired they 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 claim otherwise but I know when players get people fired and mm. and Cassidy goes out there and wins <clears throat> which is such great irony but I'll tell you this muck Beware this year, because I just don't think they're as good. And I think they've lost more with Bergeron, in spite of his age, and Krejci. So we'll see. I think that's the big question mark of all of them. All right. Go back to Bill Belichick. Um, I think he has uh, overstayed his welcome as it were, and what will, if anything, it take for Kraft to say, look, Bill, you've had a good run. Let's, let's just leave it at that. Here's extra m amount of money to go retire somewhere and, and enjoy the rest of your life. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> Kraft is... Big at talking a big game, but then but then he backs off of it. I mean, really, let's look at it. I I think the responsibility of an owner has always been the protection of his team. Now, I remember this conversation I had with Pete Rozelle years ago when he was commissioner, and we were talking about coaches, and I've known a lot of great ones. And he said, Upton, just remember, the coach eventually leaves 
you stay, you've, you've got to protect the club itself. You can't let players be traded off, or and it was a totally different game then, and, and drafted and things like that. No, no, no coach, first of all, should ever have the power. He has sole power, which nobody else in the league has. He's, he has somebody else do it, but he signs contracts. He dictates the money that the, that the players make. He can trade them. He can do anything he wants. And, and Kraft, to me, all, even though they won the six championships, that's a mistake. I mean, I remember having a discussion with Don Shula one day, and he said, Upton, this one we were at the Colts. He said, I don't ever want to be negotiating contracts with players because all you do is build up resentment with them. Uh, you know, and look at all, all the guys that left here unhappy or not. Now, maybe their careers were at an end. Uh, who knows? But, but look, look at what happened. How many, how many guys were so pissed off when they left here or, or resentful? Your, your coach should be in charge of the team. Fine, if you want to put him in charge of the draft, he should be consulted. But there's no general manager here. And so now look what's happened. You know, he, Belichick has, has had four or five bad drafts. We'll see what happens this year. <laughs> he let the greatest quarterback in maybe history go. And Kraft, if I were Kraft, I'd have stopped him. Even if he said, I'm walking out and say, okay. Let's keep, I said, I would say, let's keep Brady for a couple of years. <clears throat> you develop a young quarterback and we'll go from there. Now, Belichick might have walked out, but still, he didn't. He, he's now trying to make up for, <clears throat> pardon me, trying to make up for losing the greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs> Jimmy Galapolo. <laughs> yes. What about him? Should they have gotten rid of him? <laughs> Garoppolo wasn't. None of that was the problem. <laughs> I think that Belichick felt that Brady was through. I think that also that the both of them to a degree, had enough of each other. And I think Brady wanted to go. <clears throat> and the thing is, they could have let him go, but they, they didn't get anything for him. You don't let the, the greatest... <clears throat> you, you don't let the greatest quarterback of all time walk out for nothing? Yeah. Yep. I couldn't believe that either. Um, I heard that people criticized the fact that they had this ceremony for Tom Brady on the first game of the season and they should mistake. have waited until mistake. later to do. Pardon? I think it was a mistake. First of all, you got, you know, a young quarterback coming back off that disaster last year of those two stooges 
that that Belichick brought in his friends as coaches that never coached any offense before. And by the way, if I were the owner, and I I told Bob LaBelle this the other day, if I were the owner, I I would have told Belichick, okay, I think this is crazy. I think we could lose a season. <laughs> but if you do that, it doesn't work. I'm firing you. I would have fired him. But that's me. You know, I'm I'm not the owner. But look at what you lost a year of finding out whether your quarterback was any good, and you lost a total year of your team. And in the NFL, you can't lose a year. So when do you think that they should have how do you think they should have handled the I would, Brady? I would have waited. Well, a couple of things. I would have waited maybe till the middle of the season. Uh, I wouldn't have made it with the opening game. And that goofy crap of of having Brady ring the bell. Are we, are we schmuck Bill Smoville like everybody else with ringing of the bells and, and, and uh, you know what they do in Kansas City or what they do at hockey games now? Oh, please. We're not Schmuckville. You know, and so they have Brady at the top of what I call the Leaning Tower of Pisa. The craft claims you can see to Boston. Oh, my God, please spare me. And a scoreboard that's bigger than the stadium. And between <laughs> both of them, they spent more money than anything else they spent on free agents. Come on, yep. I mean... This was not the Barnum and Bailey Circus. So I thought Brady gave a good speech. But the other thing is, why wouldn't you have it pregame where you could show everybody? I mean, you only got a shot of it at halftime and then uh, was replayed on Channel 4. But, oh, God. And, and please, that should be the end of it. You know, we can't have... Brady back for every store opening in town. <laughs> so, obvious question. Who's going to be in the Super Bowl this year? Or is it too early to tell? Well, it's way too early to tell, but I... You know, a lot of it... Now, again, it's way early. Buffalo didn't look good Monday night. If the Jets had Aaron Rodgers with, I think the Jets have the best defense in all of football right now. But the question is, can they get by now uh, with with a guy that's been a you know a great disappointment to them? Uh, we'll see. But Kansas City, you can see they lost to Detroit. I wouldn't worry about the loss so much as Kansas City when they lose Kelsey. They, they don't have any receivers. The one dark horse I say, one dark horse is Jacksonville. I think Trevor Lawrence has the, has the chance, barring injury, to be one of the best. Terrific athlete. 6'6". Six, six. He can run. He can move. And remember, look, football has changed now. It's a game of the outside. It's not really a running game. I mean, the Patriots will try it because, you know, they have no other choice. They have no deep receivers. 
but it's played on the outside and it's played with RPOs, run pass option quarterbacks. It's played with speedy wide receiver, tight ends that can fly. If you're a running back, you have to be able to catch the football. It's a totally different game. The defense, as good as they can be, they're penalized. You can't hit the guy five yards down the field. Uh, you, can, you, you can't touch the quarterback. One, and it's ironic because one thing I would have said about Brady is the only thing that would have prevented him from be, being great in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s is, is you could kill the quarterback. Today, you can't. Suppose he had to play then. You know, when the average life for the average life for quarterback then might have been thirty-five. Well, I gotta tell you, I always enjoy talking to you. Uh your knowledge is superior of anyone that I've ever known. And uh I'm so grateful when you are able to take the time to share it. And uh well, I can't I thought, think I I thought we were going to do another two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could. If if this were live on the air, we could do that with with no problem. <laughs> Even though well, most of the most of the sports shows now are three or four hours long. Well, by the way, way too long. Way yeah. the same the same thing is repeated from the first hour to the fourth hour. Yep. Same tiresome I I mean the one thing I loved and of course you were the producer of, of our show of Bob Lovell and myself and the one thing I loved about that show started at 6 over at 8 o'clock uh, it le always left you with the, saying Jesus I can't wait till the next night you know that even the yep. callers uh, it, it and, and you, you can never go back and get the past, but I have no interest in doing that. But I can tell you this. With the commercials in each hour, I'd say we probably had maybe 35 minutes, maybe a little longer to talk. But we squeezed everything in. We had great guests. Uh, we, we didn't totally just sit there and say, hey, Bob, what do you think of the Red Sox tonight? You know, we had, <laughs> we, you, know you lined up exciting people for us we did uh, we did everything we we had sir edmund hillary on talking about climbing mount everest we had woody hayes i remember that night with woody hayes when he's lecturing me but bob uh, bob kept saying always oh, my hero i said bob jesus please forget this bullshit. uh <laughs> but i put woody on so i put him on and and woody uh, uh lectures us that night not about football uh, but about Walden Pond and and why certain philosophers were were so great I mean you could hear I could feel the audience you could you could hear a pin drop it was it was amazing uh, the people that we were able to get on and entertain people with What's going on? How about Bill Lee coming on with Bernie oh. Carbo? Oh my God. I mean, and Bill Lee, yo, know, calling Don Zimmer the gerbil. I mean, the gerbil, yeah. It, it was the thing was good about it was two hours, and that was it. You didn't get yep. into two hours, 
It'll be see you tomorrow night. But now, I understand why they do it. And it also saves money because you, do, you don't need new guests every, or new hosts every two hours on BZ. You know, did anybody other than Commander Larry Glick do more than a couple of hours? I don't think so. So that's what I, I, I would like if, if guys like Felder and Maserati and people like that, they're entertaining. Suppose they only had two hours instead of four or three mm. hours and they had to get stuff in. Uh, so, I, I mean, that that's the way it should be. Your, your interview is for an hour. That's it. So, anyway, tell your audience I love them. I'll, I'll see them soon at Christmas time. I'll come down <laughs> the chimney. I'll come down the chimney and deliver all the gifts to all those <laughs> losing teams. <laughs> Bobby, you're you're the best. I I as I said before, I'm always grateful when you make yourself available to sit down and talk to me about everything. And that's, I can't thank you enough for doing that. That's great. Thanks, Buck. You bet. You take care. Okay. And that will do it for this edition of City Talk. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening to another great conversation with Ken Meyer and friends. You can contact Ken by email. The address is kjmeyer7 at gmail.com. That's kjmeyer7 at gmail.com. Tune in next time for more conversation with Ken Meyer on City Talk. <laughs>